What is going on? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of The Proving Ground. No UFC last week, so we did what we had to. The only thing we could do. We flew to Melbourne, Australia for the semi-finals and finals of the Australian Open. We ate, we drank, we laughed, we cried. And we watched one fighting championships live on my phone in the crowd during the men's final. But enough of that. We have fights this weekend, my friends. Roman Delidze versus Nasadin Imovov, live from the spiritual home of the UFC, the Apex Arena in Las Vegas. What better way to follow a huge pay-per-view event in Canada than with another trip back to the Apex? That's right, folks. We won't have any trouble this week with fighters not being able to hear Bruce Buffer read out the winner's name. In fact, we won't even have Bruce Buffer. What we will have is Roman Delidze taking on Nasadin Imovov in the middleweight division, which is now one of the most open and exciting divisions in the UFC, if you can believe it. We've had three title holders over the last two middleweight fights, and it's anyone's guess as to who will be the next long-term champion of this division. But first, let's take a quick look back at UFC 297 two weeks ago in Canada. It was a strange night. From Charles Jourdain celebrating when he mistakenly thought Bruce Buffer announced him as the winner in his fight against Sean Woodson, to the illegal knee sequence in the Alan Evloev fight. Not to mention the weirdness of the co-main event, watching MBS capitulate. But as fans of the sport know, you have to take the good with the bad. And overall, it was a very enjoyable night. Congratulations to DDP. I scored the fight 48-47, giving him rounds 2, 3 and 4. But it was a very close fight, and I don't have any issues with anyone saying they scored the fight for Sean. But South Africa has a champion, and his name is Drikus Duplessis. I had a decent night at the window, finishing up for the day. The fearless long shot strategy performed okay, down very slightly overall. We hit our bets on the main event, starting round four and starting round five, and we lost our spots on Cachoeira, Viana, and the Lenes Patterson fight hitting the cards. But as those of you who tuned in last week will know, we also saw some value on the main event starting round three, a bet we also took. And my friends, can I tell you a secret? We're in a safe space, right? I had the sweatiest night of anyone who had action down at UFC 297 because I had a large bet on a chalky two-leg parlay. The first leg, Alan Avloyev, fight starts round two. Easy, lock, cash it. Second leg, Rocky does not finish MBS. If ever you wanted an advertisement for why someone should not bet on the UFC, this was it. Edge of my seat the entire fight. From round two, I'm saying to my fiance, we've lost this bet. Rip the ticket up now. I don't even want to look at it. But my girl, MBS, I know a lot of people are coming for her head after that performance. Not me. My girl, MBS, does not give up on herself. And whilst she was thoroughly rinsed at UFC 297, she cashed for me by holding on. And it turns out she also might have had a burst eardrum from early in the fight, which was playing havoc with her equilibrium. But congratulations to you, Rocky. Winning this title is huge for her and the crowning glory of a career spanning multiple decades. Genuinely very happy for you and thank you for not finishing MBS. But enough about the past, let's look into the future to UFC Vegas 85 this weekend. In the main event, we have Roman Delidze versus Nasadin Imovov in the middleweight division. Imovov is your favourite at minus 167 with the comeback on Delidze at plus 133. This should be a fun one. We have a unique combination here. Two extremely violent men who basically never get finished. That bodes well for an all-gas, no-breaks main event. 
On the Delizze side, Roman had a standout 2022 going 3-0 against Kyle Dorcas, Phil Hawes and Jack Manson with a 100% finishing rate. He met his match in 2023 against Marvin Vittori, another violent man who has never been finished. We'll come back to that point shortly. Delizze is a power puncher and can at times overwhelm his opponents with pure physicality, but is not the highest volume striker, landing only three significant strikes per minute. He's active in shooting for takedowns, but hasn't scored a submission win since 2017. In fact, the combined record of his three opponents over whom he has a submission, a submission victory is seven wins and nine losses. So draw your own conclusions. I'm a big Delizze fan. I think he has real potential in this division and his 2022 campaign proved that to everyone. But if he has a stylistic weakness, it's someone durable who can stand up to his power and is very difficult to take down. He sometimes just does not have enough volume to win a decision when the fight stays standing and he can't put his opponent away. We saw this play out in his last fight with Marvin Vittori. Vittori is the more active striker and over the course of three rounds pulled ahead with volume and was able to prevent Delizze from taking the fight to the ground. And what do we have in his opponent, Nasuddin Imovov? Someone who is a very active striker, more than four and a half significant strikes landed per minute, who also has very good takedown defense at close to 75%. Imovov is also very durable, having been finished only once a submission loss in his pro debut in 2016, when his game was comprised essentially of kickboxing. Imovov also had a forgettable 2023, losing to Sean Strickland and then having his fight with Chris Curtis end in a no contest after Curtis suffered a clash of heads in a fight that Imovov was clearly winning. If Imovov has a weakness, it's someone who can overcome his solid takedown defense and get the fight to the floor. We saw this in his decision loss to Phil Hawes, where Hawes was able to land four takedowns over the course of three rounds. Before jumping into tape study for this fight, I thought the line was a little off and Delizze should be even money. From looking at all the data, Delizze is always live for a knockout finish, but that's no sure thing against Imovov, who has never suffered a KO or TKO defeat. I do still like Delizze's chances, even if he doesn't manage to finish Imovov, there's a world where he can do enough damage on the feet that he can start to outwork Imovov or eventually get the fight to the ground. But I think the most likely outcome here is that Imovov keeps the fight standing, looks to avoid the power shots from Delizze, racks up points from the outside, and does damage at close quarters through clinch work. Look for this fight to go a little longer as well. If I'm leaning any way, it's towards Delizze, despite the limitations on his win condition here. And notwithstanding all the above, the edge in the money lines is actually on the Delizze side. If you wanted to play Imovov, I'd suggest looking at props such as Imovov by decision or even trying to jag an Imovov finish in the later rounds. But as I said, I do think the fight goes long here. So for our first official bet of the evening, give me fight starts round four at plus 100. And in the co-main event, we have Hinato, Money, Moicano versus Drew Dober in the lightweight division. Money, Moicano is your favorite at minus 190 with the underdog Dober sitting at plus 150. Now, it's easy to take a look at the record of Moicano and think, good, but not great. But my friends, dig a little deeper. Allow me to read to you the five names that Moicano has lost to in the UFC. Rafael Dos Anjos, former champion. Rafael Fazeev, future champion. Chan Sung Jung, Korean zombie, legend of the game and title challenger. Jose Aldo, great, arguably the greatest featherweight champion of all time. And Brian Ortega, no slouch. 
The man does not lose to anyone but the best. He also holds wins over Brad Riddell and Calvin Cater, who are also strong contenders. That's not the only unusual thing about Moicano's record. The man has a grand total of zero career knockouts, which puts him in rare company inside the UFC. I don't mean zero knockouts in the UFC, I mean zero knockouts ever. The man is nothing if not consistent. His last five wins are identical, rear naked choke submissions. In fact, of the 10 submission victories on his record, all 10 are by rear naked choke. Moicano is active if not particularly dangerous on the feet and actively hunts takedowns and submissions. We also noticed that Moicano has only ever lost one fight in which he scored a takedown, and that was the Brian Ortega fight. On the Dober side, well, we know what we're dealing with here, folks. The man with the best looking and potentially the most durable chin in MMA. Dober has only been knocked out once in the past 10 or so years against Matt Frivola. That chin does not crack. And I don't think we're going to see Moicano score the first knockout of his career in this spot. Dober has won four out of his last five with the only slip coming in the aforementioned fight to Frivola two fights ago. Dober is a very active striker, willing to stand in the pocket and take two to give one. He is liable to be taken down at times and has four submission losses on his record. Look, we know Dober's strategy here. Keep the fight standing, rely on a boxing and kickboxing heavy attack and look for a knockout shot. I'd love to back Dober here, but I do see Moicano getting the fight to the ground and once he's there, we know Dober is liable for a submission. In terms of money lines, if there's any value at the window, it is on the Dober side, but not enough margin to tempt me. And frankly, there's not a lot of value to be found anywhere in this fight at all. Up next, in the men's welterweight division, we have Randy, Rude Boy Brown versus a Muslim, the king of Kung Fu, Salikov. Right now, you can get Rude Boy at minus 250, with the king of Kung Fu sitting at plus 195. Randy was riding high in 2022, having won four straight, until he ran into Jack Della Maddalena, Jackie Three Names, in Perth, Australia in early 2023. That was the fight where JDM decided to throw a curveball to sports bettors everywhere by locking up a submission on Randy instead of finishing with strikes. Randy redeemed himself later that year against Wellington Terman and now has a little bit of momentum back behind him. This fight should be a striker's delight. The speed and youth will be with Randy in this fight. He also has an 8-inch reach advantage. Randy is a very active striker with a positive striking differential. Randy's also the more well-rounded fighter here. His wins are split pretty evenly between knockouts, submissions, and decisions. We saw him lean on this a little against Terman, scoring two takedowns en route to a decision win. But I think he would actually be happy to keep the fight standing in this spot, even though he would have a huge advantage in the grappling department. I see Randy looking to pour on the volume and get ahead on the scorecards, and if there is an opportunity to take the fight to the ground, Randy will then be able to take advantage of a tiring Salikov. On the Salikov side, look, you don't get a name like the King of Kung Fu without being a specialist in the striking department, and that's exactly what you would get in Muslim Salikov. Salikov now has nine UFC fights. He's gone six and three over this stretch with three wins by way of KO and three by way of decision. Look, we don't need to break down Salikov's style. You know what the king of Kung Fu is bringing. Spinning wheel kicks and the like. And that's a good record in the UFC. But, and I hope I'm not going out on a limb here, I am calling a bit of smoke and mirrors on this run. Let me ask you this. Of those six UFC wins, which was his best? Andre Fialho? 
Well, we all know how that win has aged. Speaking of aging, Salikov is 39 years old and despite being a true technician in the striking department with excellent defense, my man is not a high volume striker. In fact, the most strikes he has ever landed in a UFC fight, and keep in mind his fights tend to go a little long, is 63. He will shoot for the occasional takedown and his takedown defense is actually not that bad. But if he can't put his opponent away, he can fall behind in the volume over the course of three rounds and is also liable to be controlled on the ground if the fight gets there. As we mentioned, Muslim is not a fast starter. Of his nine UFC outings, only one fight has gone under two and a half rounds. Look, Randy can get got. We saw JDM put the wood to him in Perth. But if Muslim can't put him away early, which he does not have a habit of doing, I have a hard time seeing how Muslim can keep up with Randy over the course of three rounds. So I'm picking Randy Brown to win this fight. In terms of the money lines, this is one where the value runs contra to the pick. I do think there is an edge on Salikov here, just not quite enough to tempt me. Instead, I'd be looking for an early finish prop on whichever side you're leaning towards. And in the next fight, in the women's flyweight division, we have Vivian Ariujo versus Natalia Silva. Right now, you can get Silva at the very short price of minus 360, with the comeback on Vivi at plus 275. I think Silva is probably the most heavily parlayed fighter this weekend. All right, folks, let me just come out and say it. We have a biased declaration here of all the contenders in all the women's divisions in the UFC. There are a couple of prospects I'm extremely excited about. But if I had to pick just one, it's Natalia Silva. She might not be a star yet, but she will be soon. And I love her in this spot. She's riding a wave of momentum, 4-0 in the UFC so far, including a win over the surging Jasmine Jastavicious and the veteran Andrea KGB Lee. Silva is a demon on the feet, with an extremely dynamic striking attack. She can keep you at range with kicks, she's unpredictable with her spinning attacks, and she has a great boxing game also. Natalia lands 5.2 significant strikes per minute whilst absorbing only 2.2. She also has a 92% takedown defense rate. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, you just aren't going to lose too many fights with statistics like that. She also has real finishing power, putting away Victoria Leonardo in the first round. Don't go rewatching that fight if you don't like scary finishes, as well as Teresa Bladum. On the Araujo side, don't get me wrong, Vivi is good. She's durable. In fact, her average fight time in the UFC is more than 15 minutes. Other than one knockout early in her UFC career, or in her pre-UFC career, Vivi has not been finished. She also doesn't finish people. Of her 10 UFC starts, she only has one win by finish in her UFC debut. Vivi's a competent striker, but with a negative striking differential. Her attack is also very boxing heavy and less dynamic. She's an active wrestler and grappler, and if she has an advantage here anywhere, it would be on the ground. If she can get on top of Silver, I can see her stealing around. If the fight stays standing, Silver will keep her at range and rack up points whilst doing damage on the inside when Vivi tries to get close enough for a takedown. There is a world in which Vivi gets her down, let's say two out of the three rounds, and controls her enough to eke out a decision win, but I don't think that's the world we live in. I'm picking Natalia Silva to win this fight and perhaps there's a number one contender spot in her near future. In terms of value, I don't think anything that I just said will have been controversial. Silva is your rightful favourite here. 
but the hype on silver is reflected in the money line. Look, I know silver is the most popular parlay piece this weekend and I do think she wins, but there's no value on her money line at that price. There's a little on Vivi, but please, if you're a Vivi better, please just take her by decision. We're not going to see her finishing silver in this spot. We did want to find a way to play silver, so here's how we've done it. We're calling the unthinkable. At plus 750, there is a ton of value here on silver winning in round one. Do I think it happens? No. But is there value here? Absolutely. And if anyone can get Vivi out of there early, it's silver. So give me silver in round one at plus 750. And in the next fight, we have Kizriev versus Mahmoud Muradov in the middleweight division. Right now, you can have the undefeated Kizriev for minus 167 with the comeback on Muradov at plus 135. In Kizriev, on the one hand, it might look like we have a surging contender who got off to a strong start in his UFC career with a 2022 victory over Dennis Tolulin. That was also the debut of Dennis. Dennis is now one and four in his UFC career to date. We haven't seen Kizriev since. I think you know what I'm about to say here. Kizriev is clearly good. There aren't too many cans in the UFC with an undefeated 12-0 record. But we have no idea how good he really is. He's been very inactive with only two fights in the past five years. Kizriev's game is pretty simple. He has a strong wrestling base, good submission skills. On the feet, he's, he's not a fish out of water. He does put combinations together, albeit without the technical prowess of some of his peers. And in Muradov, we have a lot more data to analyze. Muradov is 4-2 and two over his UFC career to date, with his two setbacks coming against GM3 and Kayo Bohayo. Muradov has a very well-rounded game, evenly skilled across striking, wrestling, grappling. He is quite an active striker with a strongly positive differential. He also scores on average one takedown per round. Let's see if that statistic holds up against the wrestler Kizriev. The common read of this fight doing the rounds this week is that Muradov needs to win early before Kizriev takes over. But I don't really know enough about Kizriev to agree or disagree. I do know that Muradov is a very capable fighter with an impressive UFC record. I'll take that over an undefeated but unproven prospect any day. If you have a strong read here, you're a better man than me. Handicapping this fight wasn't easy, given the lack of data on the Kizriev side. But to my eye, the money lines are actually priced fairly. By my calculations, if you're hunting for value, it's actually on an early Kizriev finish, given the expectation in the market that Muradov will start strongly, but may fade in the later rounds. And up next in the welterweight, in the welterweight division, we have Gilbert Urbina versus Charlie Chuck Buffalo Radke. Your favourite, Urbina, is sitting at minus 215 with a comeback on Radke at plus 170. Look, we don't have the largest sample size on either side here either, folks. So let's analyse what we do have to hand. Urbina is a very, very active striker with a very strong positive striking differential. He also scores four takedowns per 15 minutes with a decent, if not overly impressive submission game. Urbina went one and one on the Ultimate Fighter season 29 and has also traded a win and a loss to start his UFC career. I see him as a well-rounded prospect, but someone who may struggle against the upper echelon of the division. But he is a fighter who should win more than he loses against anyone else. And what do we have to analyse on the Radke side? I was there in Sydney when he beat Blood Diamond by unanimous decision. 
Radke didn't suffer too much damage in that fight, but he almost had his head ripped off when he proceeded to insult the entire arena uh, in his post-fight interview. Radke clearly won the fight, but I would not say that he was overly impressive. I'll need to see a lot more proof points on the Radke side before I pick him to win a fight. So I'm picking Gilbert Urbina to win this fight. In terms of the money lines, and you're going to hear me saying this over and over uh, in relation to this card, there's not a lot of value here. And to be honest, I've been up and down 50 different markets for this card, for this fight. And the only value I can really find is on the fight going long. And I'm feeling a little frisky. So for our official bet, give me fight goes to decision at plus 150. Up next in the women's strawweight division, we've got Molly McCann versus Diana Belbita, the remix. It's a rematch of their first encounter in 2019. Given that we've seen this fight before and it was a clear win for Molly, let's focus on what's changed since then. Molly has gone three and four, including gnarly submission losses in her last two encounters. Look, we all love Molly. Everyone loves Molly. But who is the best win on her record? Arguably, Ariane Lipsky in 2019. Whenever she faces a slightly higher level of competition, the outcome has not been favourable. But she did beat Belbita in 2019, so the question is, has Belbita risen to a level that would see her pose problems for Molly this time around? And look, these comments might be unfair. Some people verbalise their emotions, others don't. But hearing Belbita talk about retirement and the fact that we have not seen any ability of on her side to beat the uh, an upper echelon of competition, I just don't have a reason to pick her in this spot. The first fight was competitive. She might win here, but without a compelling reason, we're throwing darts if we're leaning towards Bill Beaton. I do think all of the above has already been factored into the money lines, though. Speaking of popular parlay pieces, Molly must be the second most popular parlay piece this week. What does that mean? It means there'll be a lot of casual action on Molly leading into fight night as retail bettors lock in their short-priced parlay pieces. If you had to pick your money line, the value would be on Belbita, and there is also some value on Belbita by KOTKO. But for this fight, I'll just be sitting on the couch watching the action. And up next in the men's flyweight division, we have Azit Maxim versus Charles Energy Johnson. Speaking of undefeated prospects, this time from Kazakhstan, we have your favorite Maxim at minus 215 with a comeback on Energy at plus 170 going to switch things up here and start with Johnson. Can we just take a moment to appreciate Charles Johnson here? Johnson is the definition of durable. The man does not get finished, no matter who he faces. I know a lot of diehard UFC fans were excited to see how he would fare in this division, and he made his debut against Mohamed Makayev. So, you know, he lost that fight. And after a couple of wins, he has now dropped his last three and increasingly has shown a tendency to get taken down and controlled on the ground. But I personally think this analysis does Charles dirty. I continue to be impressed by his skills, mindset and durability. I also continue to be amazed and a little confused by the fact that Charles is just consistently fed to the top tier of this division. Speaking of which, this time out, Johnson is facing a 17-0 undefeated wrestling heavy prospect. Who did Charles offend? Anyway, if you watched the debut of Maxim against Tyson Nam last year, you know what we're dealing with here. A wrestling phenom who, for some reason, on the big stage, under the bright lights, decided to stand and trade with the, with the striker Tyson Nam for 15 minutes. 
and only managed to squeak by him in a somewhat controversial split decision. Make no mistake, if Charles has a weakness, it's being controlled on the ground, and Maxim should be able to take the fight there. But the same could be said of Tyson Nam, and that's not what happened. I need to see some more evidence here. I'm not going to blindly pick an undefeated prospect against a proven vet without some tangible reasons to do so. So call me controversial, but I'm picking Charles Johnson to win this fight. I also think there's an edge on the Johnson money line here, but a little too low to tempt me. So once again, I'll be enjoying this one from the sidelines and praying for the safe return of Charles Johnson. And up next in the women's flyweight division, we have Luana Carolina versus Julia Stoliarenko. Your favorite, Stoliarenko, sitting at minus 32 with a comeback on Luana at plus 107. Of all the things I had on my bingo card for 2022 and 2023, becoming a Stoliarenko fan was not one of them. I mean, she has a record of 11 wins, 8 losses. She has one of the worst negative striking differentials I've ever seen. She has striking accuracy of 40% and takedown accuracy of 30%. I don't know if you subscribe to many worlds theory. I'm not sure if I do either. But my friends, we are living in a world where as I sit here before you today, I am a Julia Stoliarenko fan. The lady is a zombie, but she's not out there hunting for brains. She's hunting for arms. And she's taking it home to save some for later. And who is she facing this weekend? The UFC Vegas 85. A lady with not one, but two arms. One arm, one chance. Two arms, two chances. It's just maths. Okay, but to be serious, Luana is something of an enigma. She holds a very impressive win against Lupita Godinez, but she's also taken some really tough L's that leave you wondering where she sits in this division. If we look at the stats, Luana is an active and competent striker who gives more than she takes. She prefers to keep the fight standing and has had only limited success with takedowns and hunting for submissions. Her fights also have a habit of going long. Look, Julia is 2-4 and four in her UFC career to date. How have her two victories come? By first round armbar. What's our official bet in this spot? Julia Stoliarenko by first round armbar at plus 480. And because we're feeling a little frisky and we're also remembering when Jackie Three Names zigged against Randy Brown when everyone thought he was going to zag, we are taking Julia to win in first round at plus 420. And in the men's welterweight division, we have Themba Garimbo versus Pete Rodriguez. Garimbo is sitting at minus 265 with the dog Rodriguez coming back at plus 205. All right, folks, we have a celebrity on our hands. Themba Garimbo, as I'm sure you all know by now, had $7 in his bank account before his first UFC win. Now, I'm not sure exactly how much he trousered for his win over Takashi Sato at UFC Vegas 73, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Because one, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was so moved by his story that The Rock bought Themba a house in Miami. What a gift. And the UFC has given him another gift here in Pete Rodriguez. No disrespect to my man Pete, I always enjoy watching Pete Rodriguez fights. My man does not get paid by the hour, he's fighting like he's double parked. Pete has had six professional fights. How many second rounds do you suppose he's seen? It's less than one. It's zero. In his amateur career, he saw a grand total of one second round. Look, Pete clearly has a lot going on. He must have places to be. All five of his pro wins come by way of first round knockout. And that's his win condition here, folks, or at least an early knockout. 
If Themba can survive the storm and drag Pete into deep waters, by which I mean early in the second round, Pete will be exhausted. And if Themba can get the fight to the ground, Pete's going to feel like he's in quicksand. Themba only has one knockout victory on his record, so it's simple here, folks. No need to engage on the feet. Keep the fight at range, drag Pete into deep waters, and then make life very uncomfortable for him. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Pete does win in the first round, but given the limitations on his win condition here, I'm siding with Themba Garimbo to win this fight. In terms of money lines, the slight edge here is with Pete, but if you're betting my man Pete Rodriguez this weekend, you'd better be taking him inside the distance or just go straight for the round one KO prop. On the Garimbo side, look to play the finish by submission prop to find some value. And up next in the men's featherweight division, we have Jong Young Lee versus Blake Builder. Lee is your favorite at minus 152 with the underdog Builder sitting at plus 123. Lee is a product of the Road to the UFC program. He picked up a couple of wins in that series to earn his UFC debut about one year ago. Look, I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of Lee's pre-Road to the UFC fights. But in the three fights that I have seen, I have to say I'm a little confused. Lee has really good striking defense. He also has power. But we just didn't see any volume out of him in his UFC debut. He's also happy to play jiu-jitsu off his back, which you can see him getting controlled for lengthy stretches. The wrestler, Blake Builder, is something of a paradox also. Blake Builder has never been finished, but he frequently gets cracked. I think the longer the fight goes, the more it will favor Builder, who should pull ahead in terms of volume, and I could see him taking the fight to the mat at least once or twice as well. I think Lee's best shot is to get Builder out of there early. But given the very, shall we say, unique durability we've seen on the Builder side, I'm picking Builder to win this fight. In terms of money lines, wow, good job Vegas. I think the money lines are set perfectly, so I'll be sitting this one out. The biggest edge I found in this fight, if you're also feeling frisky, is fight goes to decision at plus 108. And staying in the men's featherweight division, we have Landon Canones versus Markel Medeiros. Medeiros is your favorite at minus 136 with the slight dog Canones sitting at plus 108. I'm sure most UFC fans will remember Landon's debut, that 15-minute absolute war with Nazrat Hakparast. He came off second best on that occasion, but certainly earned the respect of Nazrat and UFC fans alike. Prior to that, he'd won five straight in Titan FC. On the Medeiros side, Medeiros is making his UFC debut, although he did have a lengthy amateur career prior to making his pro debut with Fury FC. Look, folks, we have two fighters here who each have less than 10 pro bouts to their name. Let's keep it real. I don't have the best read on this fight. I'm going to pick Landon to win based off his performance last time out, but that's about the extent of my knowledge here. I did put some effort into trying to cap the money line and some props, but also to no avail. For the money lines, same comment as the previous fight. Well done, Vegas. You've lined them to perfection. The value here is on fight not to go at minus 150 or an early finish prop on either side if you're leaning one particular way. And in the first fight of the night in the heavyweight division, we have Thomas Pedersen versus Jamal Pogues. Right now, you can have Thomas for the wonderful price of minus 167 with a comeback on Pogues at plus 135. Thomas does have a plus skill here. Maybe not an A-plus skill, but a plus skill all the same. And it's wrestling. 
Before his most recent fight, a Keylock submission win over Chan Nicole on the Contender Series, his only method of victory had been KO-TKO. On the Pogue's side, we know what we're dealing with here. Competent everywhere, exceptional, not really anywhere. Low volume, negative striking differential, doesn't often crack people, doesn't often get cracked. And his fights have a habit of going long. I struggle to see Pogues doing much damage here. I think Thomas gets the fight to the ground, probably in round one, controls Pogues and makes life very, very difficult for him. I'm not sure I'm ready for another Keylock submission victory here, so I'm picking Thomas to win via early KO TKO. And here we have it, folks. Three out of three. The first three fights of the night. Not one Speck, not one Skerrick, not one Adam, not even one sub-atomic particle worth of value to be found on any of these money lines. I do see quite a lot of value, though, on the fight not starting round two or round three, or indeed an early finish on the Thomas side. In fact, we do see enough value here to place our last official bet of the night. Give me Thomas Patterson by first round finish and by first round TKO or KO at plus 420 and plus 575 respectively. So there we have it, folks. To recap, our official bets this week under the fearless long shot strategy are Roman Delice versus Nasadin Imovov. Fight to start round four, plus 100. Luana Karolina versus Julia Stoliarenko. Stoliarenko to win in round one via submission at plus 480 and also to finish in round one at plus 420. Gilbert Urbina versus Charlie Radke. Fight goes to decision at plus 170. Viviani Ariujo versus Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva finish round one at plus 750. And Thomas Pedersen versus Jamal Pogues. Thomas to win in round one at plus 420 and to finish by KO in round one at plus 575. That's it for now, folks. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe on X, the underscore engineer MMA on YouTube at The Proving Ground MMA. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or reach me by email engineer at theprovinggroundmma.com. Best of luck with your bets and let's find out.